You're listening to the Prince College Podcast, a ministry of Prince Avenue Baptist Church, where our goal is to lead you to trust and follow Jesus. Well, up here, we have a rock star crew, faces that should not look unfamiliar to you, but just in case you're new around here, my name's Adam, hopefully you know that. Uh, But this to my left right here is Daniel Rowland. Daniel is a second year apprentice. He is married to the wonderful Belle. They are expecting a daughter two days after Jillian and I are expecting a daughter. So we're going to become girl dads at the same time. Really excited about that. That's awesome. Daniel helps run our intern program here at Prince. Does a remarkable job with that. So if you're an intern, you obviously know Daniel and are thankful for him. Uh, Next to Daniel, we have Emma Story. Uh, A few cheers for Emma. Uh, Emma is our college ministry associate here. She helps us do all things college ministry, invest in the life of a lot of our ladies here in the ministry. Uh, Just does, honestly, I don't think that we have a job description long enough to cover what you do. And so I'm just, I'm really grateful for all that you do. Uh, If you enjoyed Friendsgiving at all a couple weeks ago, a lot of that was Emma's touch. And so really, really thankful. Yeah, we we can applaud for that. Yeah, that's great. And last, but certainly not least, we have Chandler Watson. Chandler, yes. That was so loud. Your family group showing out. That's awesome. Uh, she's trying to give you a high five. There you go. That was awkward. Your check will clear on Monday, guys. <laughs> Anyways, Chandler is also a second-year apprentice. He's uh, this year apprenticing under Sky Pratt, the man, the myth, the legend. Uh, helps a lot with missions. So a lot of you have heard a lot about our missions opportunities, and many of you have already gone on short-term trips, and are, we've already like maxed out our spring break trips for this year, and a lot of that is due to Chandler's influence. And so really grateful for these three. Um, one of the things that I love most about Prince Avenue Baptist Church is that we value investing in the next generation. But whenever we say that, we don't just mean that we want to have good kids ministry, student ministry, and college ministry. We say that whenever we say that, we also mean that we want to invest in the future leaders of the church. It's something that we really value here. And as as just someone who has walked with these three and has seen them in a variety of different capacities, I can with confidence tell you that these three have a calling of God on their lives, and I'm very thankful for the three of you. I know all three of you definitely have the gift to teach and are remarkable at that. You have so much wisdom, especially for your age, and I'm just really, really blessed by all three of you, and I'm excited for you to share some of these things tonight. So we're, we're excited to do this. So what we've been saying is we've been calling this the December Survival Guide, and that's a little dramatic, but December is a time that is tough, right? Like we're coming off of Thanksgiving, finals are coming, and it's like, it seems like all this stress and all this worry about finals, and then finals end, and then you go home and it's like everything goes from like 100 miles an hour to zero miles an hour real quick. And so it's just this weird time where you're at home for like four weeks and it can be stressful. So we just wanted to take some time to talk about that. And so we just want to kind of have a discussion, but to kind of kick these things off, I always like to start with a fun question. And so the fun question is we're going into December. This is obviously a time in which we exchange gifts with people. Everybody appreciates a good gift, but what I appreciate and I think is hilarious is a really bad gift. Anybody ever received like a really bad gift that you're just like, what were you thinking? And so I just wanted to start this off by just asking, and we don't have to limit it to Christmas gifts per se, but like what is the worst gift that you have ever received? Daniel, you start. First, Michael, I see that Waterbury cup. That might be the first Waterbury cup in Prince College. I'm all about it. Just wanted to shout that out. Nice. Um, <laughs> uh, mine might be, I don't know, it's more of the lack thereof okay. of a gift. So uh, if you know me, I have six brothers, so big family. Uh, and sometimes, you know, it's just easy for your parents to get mixed up who asked for what. And without a doubt, every year there's something that I asked for 
that I do not get, but one of my brothers does. Um, so I don't know if that's funny or if that's sad, but that's just the reality <laughs> of my Christmas every year. And it's usually shoes, right? You were it's telling me. usually shoes. I don't know if I've ever gotten a pair of shoes for Christmas, and I ask every single year. Mm. Mm. Maybe, they don't, maybe this is the year. Thanks. This is such a great Christmas exchange. I, I would like to. Can we switch? Yeah. There we go. Okay. Um, that's a really good Christmas gift. Hopefully you'll get it this year. How did you do that? I don't know. Thank you, Nick. Man. All right. Um, my, I, I think my gift would go along the lines of sad-ish. So I have a side of the family from Kansas, so that. And then I have like a, a pretty dysfunctional side of the family. And so we went down to that South Georgia family. And um, my Grammy goes on the, sorry, South Georgia. I heard it like, oh. It's true. <laughs> okay. Um, so my Grammy is my grandmother. And she went on this about six-minute long spiel for the ring that she had gifted my older sister. So my sister was about 13 and I was about 10. And she gave my sister this ring that was like an heirloom, like her great-grandmother had it, and it was passed down so, so much. So she goes, Katie, you're just the most beautiful granddaughter I have. I was right there. And she goes, um, I just, I'm really excited for you to carry this on. Like you were just the embodiment of who we are and all that. And then she goes, and Emma, I saw this as I passed Walmart, like as I passed this aisle in Walmart and I just knew you had to have it. It was a $4.96 ring from Walmart that turned my hand green. So anyway, older sister gets the heirloom. I get $5 ring. So do you still have it? You think I kept it? I thought, I thought it was like poison. It turned my hand green, which from that side of the family could happen. Anyway, okay. Sorry. For me, uh, I, I, can, I immediately think of the worst gift I ever got um, when I was younger. My grandmother, who I've seen twice, not really close with that side of the family, uh, she mailed me a Say gift. I mailed me, she, she mailed me a gift. Um, I think Nick has a picture of it. It was a LeapFrog, LeapPad uh, Academy tablet. And that would have been great had I been four, but I was uh, 16. So <laughs> it was definitely the, not the best. So. Did they have like a driving app game on there? I don't. I never played it. I gave it to my little sister. <laughs> that is awesome. My least favorite gift that I ever received, so this is so ironic to me because whenever you, you get married, like you create a wedding registry and people buy gifts off of your wedding registry. And it's usually like pretty simple, like just stick to the gifts that are on the registry. That's how it usually works. But one of Jillian's family friends, and I want to emphasize this was one of Jillian's family friends and not one of mine, uh, at one of the wedding showers gives us, y'all seen those things that are like the as seen on TV? They're like, they, they call them egglets and they make like boiled eggs. They make four boiled eggs. She gave us not one, but three of those egglets. So just so many assumptions were made. One, she assumed that we liked boiled eggs. And two, she assumed that we wanted 12 of them at a time. And so she gave us three egglets, and we had to figure out how to return those. And so that was just a lot of fun. So, Did you re-gift it? Uh, I returned it to Walmart for the $7 that it was worth and, you know, bought you a ring with it. You could have gone no, to three kidding. white elephant parties and yeah. been fine. Anyways, it was, yeah, it is what it is. So hopefully your Christmas gifts this year are better than these three. And I'm, I'm really hoping for you this year. This is the year of the shoes. All right, Bill? I don't think it happen. is. I don't so. think it is. <laughs> it's not it. Uh, all right, so we're here to talk about just the struggles and the difficulty of December, specifically in the college season of life. So all three of you graduated from the University of Georgia. I did too, just many moons ago. And so all three of you graduated from the University of Georgia more recently. And so just kind of personally, speaking, what would you say were some of the more difficult moments moving into that post-Thanksgiving, moving to December finals, Christmas time? Like, what were some of the difficulties that you faced? 
I mean, I think an obvious one, speaking of dysfunctional families, is family, going home to family that um, oftentimes isn't the best situation. It could be hard or lost loved ones. Um, it Just growing up, or I mean, in college especially, it's, it's, it can be hard sometimes to go home and face some of those situations that you came to college maybe to get away from. Mm. Um, so. Yeah, Athens was a big, like, um, like energizer bunny playground. Like, I was just able to do everything in Athens. And Good Hope, Georgia, is not that way. And so um, I, f- I felt very, like, sometimes I would go home and I'd be like, what's the point of this? Like, why am I even in school? Why did I come home? Like, I just really craved the community that I had here. And I would often, like, be very disgruntled towards my family because of that. Yeah, I would say for me, it's, it's more along the lines of family, less dysfunctional, but more like college was really the time that I started taking my faith seriously. Mm. So I'd go home and like, I'd see a lot of lukewarmness in some of my siblings and it was just like always really discouraging. Yeah. But I never felt like as a younger sibling, I never really felt like I had a voice to yeah. encourage them or do anything. So I just like watched and let, you know, I was like, man, I wish I could do something about this. Yeah. Even though I, I could have looking back, but yeah. No, there's all kinds of issues, be it family, be it finals, be it whatever. Like, it's just, it's, it's a weird season, right? Like, I remember for me, like, especially after that freshman year going home, it's like you're used to, like, doing whatever you want, whenever you want, and then you go back home, and you're, like, under mom and dad's roof, and they're like, no, you can't leave at midnight. And you're like, what are you talking about? I do this every night of the week. And it's like, it's just this weird dynamic, right? So we kind of posted on social media over the past couple of weeks, just kind of asking for some feedback from you of, like, what are some things that you're worried about? in this season? What are some things that are causing you stress? What are some things that are causing you some anxiety? And we, we just kind of like put it out there for you to kind of just submit questions to us. And we're, we're thankful to all of you who submitted questions. We sat down on Monday and just kind of like went through a lot of those. And as we were doing that, we we're just trying to group those into like questions that like were, were similar. And as we were doing that, most of the questions kind of fell within three groups. So the things that you're worried about are First and foremost, finals, end of the year, projects, all the stuff that you got to do to pass your classes, to keep hope alive, to like keep, continue to try to graduate, right? Like that's, that's a big thing coming up. We get that. Uh, the second bucket was all about just the lack of routine that happens in December. Like you have like all of your normal habits, rhythms. If you're you know, involved in the life of Prince, you're, you're going to church on Sundays, you got family group, you got Prince College nights, you got your community, you got, you got your people around you, but then you go home and all of that stops for like a month and like just worried about that and worried about not making progress in your faith. There was a lot of questions about that, which we'll dive into. And then that third bucket was all about family and just different family dynamics about uh, having to have hard conversations with family. Some of you want to do like stuff over the summer that your parents don't want you to do and like having to have those conversations and all of like the, the power struggles that come with family stuff. And so we're going to talk about those three things. We're just going to go in that order, finals, routine, and then family. So just this kind of first bucket, what would you guys say to a student, all of you like face the, the rigor and the stress of, you know, UGA finals, aside from Emma, who was an early childhood no education offense. major, which isn't real and no offense, but some, okay. It's fine. You took one test in your entire college career. At UGA, I took one test. Yeah, that's not real. It was okay. wonderful. So for everybody else in the room who has a real degree, um, sorry, sorry, just kidding. Who just has kidding. their masters? Just kidding. You do have your masters. You're right. You're right. In elementary education. What would you say? What would you say to a student who like is really struggling with like some fear, some worry, some stress, some anxiety whenever it comes to like getting all the things done that need to get done in the next two weeks uh, for their classes? What would you guys say to that? I'll kick this one off. Um, First and foremost, I would say our tendency is to put a lot of our value and our performance on things like this. Um, But that doesn't have to be the case. Uh, I think there's kind of two 
two sides of the coin. There's the person who puts their identity in their ability to perform, Mm -hmm. do well in their finals, get the job, you know, social status, whatever it might be. Finals is just one of the things that, that manifests itself. And I think there's this other side that might be a little more subtle. And it might be that we want to do well and perform to avoid the identity that we feel like we have. Mm. So for me personally, growing up, like I had great parents and a great family, but I didn't hear those words that I wanted to hear. You know, I didn't hear the words, I'm proud of you. I didn't hear the words, I love you very much. So my performance, my pursuit of performance was often to escape the reality that I felt like I wasn't good enough. And I felt like I had to do something to prove you know, prove myself to, you know, my parents, prove myself to my siblings, my friends, you know, whatever it might be. And finals, just one of the many ways that that manifests itself. Um, But if you're someone who you find yourself in either of those boats, whether you put your value in your ability to perform to get the good grade, or the good grade is just a way to escape what you, what you feel like you're lacking, either person, I would just encourage you to, to look to the cross, to look Mm -hmm. to who Jesus says you are. I mean, I think it's really just an exhausting thing to put your identity in something that's not Jesus. You know, we just sung that song, Firm Foundation. And that really is the only firm foundation. Um, Colossians 2, verses 13 through 14 says, And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. So when Jesus was nailed to the cross, it wasn't only for our salvation and the canceling of debt of our sins, but it was to free us from the legal demands of the law. Like our need to perform has also been canceled. Like our value doesn't come from our ability to adhere to the law. It comes from who Jesus says that we are. So we're not performing to achieve an identity, but we're, we're striving to walk in the identity, identity that Jesus has achieved for us. So I would just encourage you as you move forward into the next couple of weeks, don't let your finals be something that the enemy uses to say who you are, who you aren't, but look to the cross and look to the finished work of the cross because that's where our identity is and that's where it's secure, that's where it's safe, and that's where it's firm. Mm-hmm. That's good. Yeah, and I think you're going to need people around you to keep reminding you of that too. Like during final season, um, I obviously didn't have any finals, but my friends did. And so I would go to the science library with them and I would be um, the one to run and grab coffee and be the one to just be there and constantly remind like, hey, this is where, this is the purpose we are here. We're in Athens to do school, yes. So we do need to work hard because working hard is good and God has called us to that. But we're also here to remind each other that this is not where your identity is. This is not where your parents' satisfaction comes from. Like, your holy, eternal father loves you unconditionally. And so a C is not going to do, is not going to tamper your identity. Um, it may not get you hope, but um, the Lord provides. So that would just be a huge encouragement of, like, be, have people in your corner around you reminding each other that this test is hard and that Okim 2 I've heard is really difficult, but it isn't the end of all ends. Yeah, just, I'd add uh, just one extra thing on there. I think, like, you think Daniel kind of speaks into the identity piece. Emma kind of speaks into, like, you need a good accountability. I think another thing is trusting God's sovereignty. Um, and I think this is huge. Like Emma said, it's, it's okay to make a B. It's, it's okay, and I think some of us need to hear that. It's okay, to, some for some of us, it's okay to make a C. It's okay to make a B. It's okay to make a C, but... Um, we have to trust God's sovereignty in all this. That I, I, Immediately, my mind goes to Colossians 3, 2. Set your minds 
on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. So like amidst this this constant struggle and stress and the anxieties and fears, I feel like that's going to be a, a big theme tonight. Amidst, thank you, Noah, amidst all the, the anxieties and fears, there is someone who's greater that we can set our minds on, who's sovereign and who's in control of all things. Now, that doesn't separate us from the responsibility. Now, that does mean study for your tests. That means, you know, uh, do your group projects. Don't let someone else do your group projects. Um, do your group projects. Do, uh, take the tests. Um, study for them hard. Uh, and um, trust the Lord amidst it all. But... Uh, that doesn't get rid of your responsibility. So I think like if we were to kind of like group it all together, it's identity, having some accountability around you, knowing your identity, that you're made new in Christ and nothing can separate you from the love of Jesus, but also that they're uh, to have some people around you and God is sovereign. And so therefore, you know, we want to, we want to do what's right. We want to do, um, we want to do well to God's glory, uh, take our finals to God's glory, do the tests and the assignments and the group projects to God's glory, um, but trust him amidst all of that. Yeah, that's good. Did you have more? Yeah, I, I think Colossians was written for exam season. I don't mm. know why, but I think Paul meant that when he was in prison. Um, but it's the, the part about doing the group projects and studying for the tests is so important because you are going to be around so many lost people in these group projects and in these tests that you're taking. Like, more than likely, you are sitting next to a non-believer in one of your classes. And so when you're studying, when you're preparing for this end of season, you only have a few weeks left with these people who don't know Jesus. So I would really encourage you that when you're doing those study groups, maybe not with your uh, believing friends, but with those who you're doing ridiculous group projects with or tests with, like take that time to act different. Take that time to study different. Take that time to encourage them and to see them as souls created by God who he desires to know. Like I really don't want you to miss this opportunity just focusing on the present of, okay, December 17th, or whatever, I'm going to get a grade in this class. Like, think about eternity and the soul that you're looking into when you see somebody face-to-face studying about biology. Even Like, how cool would that be of like, yes, this is how cells are made, and this is, that's the only biology we learned in elementary <laughs> education was cells, um, and they're made of organelles. So, but, like, as you're talking about those things, try and weave the Lord into these conversations, because um, Colossians 4 says, walk in wisdom towards outsiders, Making the best use of time. Let your speech always be gracious. Season the salt so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Like how cool is that that there's preparation of go and go to outsiders. And this is a perfect next couple of weeks to be able to say, hey, do you want to study? Like can I buy your coffee and we sit and we study and in those down times talk about your walk with the Lord. So don't miss this chance. Yeah, that's really good. As all of you were talking, that's the story in the Gospels popped in my mind of, of uh, whenever Jesus and the disciples are on the boat and the storm comes and Jesus is like sleeping on the boat and the disciples are freaking out and they're just, they're convinced that they're going to die and Jesus is just sound asleep. Some of you who are familiar with your Bibles would remember this story and they wake Jesus up and Jesus is like, you have little faith and like he just silences the storm because the disciples are so fixated on their external circumstances, but Jesus is confident in the power of the Father, and he's able to be calm in the midst of the storm, and he's able to calm the storm because he is Jesus, so you can't really do that part, but you can have that calm in you, and that's just something that I think does speak volumes, um, and just kind of reframing these things. We do have this tendency to just make finals and tests and grades like this all-consuming, massive, huge thing, and I heard a quote one time of like how... Uh, the quote was, how do you dislodge something from the human heart? And the answer was, you introduce it to a more beautiful thing. 
And I think that is something that we all need to hear in this final season of like, some of us have our heart fixated on our success in a class. Well, we need to be reminded that that's not our purpose here on earth. And as you know, a 30-year-old who's several years removed from college, I can tell you that I understand that tests are stressful, but that's not at all what you were created for, and that's not what life is about. And so just spend time fixing your eyes on Jesus, reminding yourself of who you are. I just want to read this. We, we spent a lot of time on Monday just in Colossians. And just this one passage from Colossians 1, 9 through 14. If you're a note taker, I'd encourage you to write that down and just read it several times over the next couple of weeks. I'm going to read it to you. It says this. It says, so from the day we have heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding and to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints of light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and has transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of of sins. And so I'd say to you from, from us, from the four of us, this is our prayer for you for this final season, that you would be people who are filled with that knowledge, who walk in faith and not by fear and are reminded by the gospel truths that your identity, your value, your worth is not determined by a grade on a test, but it's determined by what has been done for you. So thank you guys for those answers. That's really good. Let's move on to then routine. All right. December's weird. Like you said, it's whack. Like you go from like all day, like stress, studying, study, like doing all this stuff, and then you go home, and it seems like everything just stops. For a lot of people, it seems like everything just stops. Like you go from having all this stuff that you have to do day in and day out to like the Thursday after finals are over, you wake up and it's like, I have nothing to do with all 24 hours of my day. Like, what do I do with myself, right? And so in a lot of, for a lot of people, I know for myself, especially like early on, freshman, sophomore year, like that was a hard season because you had been, especially if you've been around, you've been like experiencing growth in your spiritual life, you go home and like all of your rhythms, all of your routines, they're like out the window. And so for a lot of people, whenever we go home, we have this extended break where we have time that we could do whatever we want. A lot of times, instead of making progress in our faith, we actually tend to regress and we actually tend to take steps backward. And so what would you say to a student who's just worried about going home, having a lack of routine, not being around community, not having those rhythms? Like how would you encourage a student to take advantage of that time? Um, I think uh, what immediately comes to mind is in Romans 13, um, you get the passage on uh, submitting to government rule, and then Paul gives this little exhortation to the church of Rome, and he says, make no provision for the flesh. Make no provision for the flesh. And what he's saying when he says that is prepare, like prepare to, to fight. Um, because you're going you're gonna to come up against temptation. You're going to come up against things like routine's going to get changed. But plan, make a plan, make no provision for the flesh. Um, and I think uh, we had a question, several questions on, you know, re, uh, I'm worried about losing my quiet time. I'm worried about getting back into old friend groups. And I think we have to think practically beforehand, before we leave. Uh, that, you know, we, we want, if, if you're going to, if you're tempted to hang out with the wrong friend groups, maybe block some people's numbers. If you uh, are worried that you're not going to do your quiet time when you go home, maybe go ahead and schedule out an hour, uh, 30 minutes, an hour a day when you're, when you're going to have time alone to get away with the Lord. 
Um, if, if you're worried about losing community, maybe uh, go ahead and plan with, with your family group or your D group to get on a Zoom or a FaceTime. I hope you're not using Zoom anymore after COVID. Um, but get, get on a FaceTime with some of your friends and, and, and talk and share how you're, what you're struggling with. Um, because I think that, and I think Daniel's going to talk about this in a second, but we, we have to prepare before we go home or we're going to fail. Yeah, it's really well said. Um, if you spend any amount of time with me, you'll hear me say over and over again, passive fighters always lose. And I'll stand on the hill. I'll die on that hill. Passive fighters always lose. And in, in our Christian walk, it's, it's a fight. Like Chandler said, like we're not just showing up and seeing what happens. And a lot of times it's what we do. Uh, especially when it comes to these breaks where we don't have anything planned, uh, we kind of get in the lazy habit, like where we just become reactive. Like we become reactive as if like we're, you know, captive to our circumstances. Or like, you know, we just can't do anything. Like, you know, and that happens even in the rhythms and the day-to-day. Like we just think something happens and we, we're bound to react a certain way. But as, as believers in Jesus, we're called to be proactive in our faith. We're called to be actively working out our salvation, as Philippians 2 says. And yes, it's God who wills it in us and accomplishes his purposes, but we have this role of pursuing holiness. Like, the make no provision thing, like, I think we're just really bad at that. Yeah, you know, I just think we are. Like, there's not a moment of the day where we could probably think, like, what could I do to love Jesus more today? Or what could I do to grow with Jesus? And there not be something that come to mind. Like, that's, that's a good question to ask yourself. Maybe, like, going into this break, like, what can I do to love Jesus more? And whatever that is, just do it. Like, sometimes we just need to be reminded that we need to pursue holiness, and it's worth it. Like, holiness is worth it. Uh, you might have also heard the saying, like, if we fail to plan, you plan to fail. Like, we can't just be reactive and expect us to grow towards holiness when so much of our world is trying to pull us away from that. So as we go into this break where there's just ample temptation, there's, we walk into a home setting where a lot of insecurities might have been and a lot of hurt might have been. Like, we need to have an active plan to pursue holiness, to walk in godliness, and come out on, in January, being alive and in love with Jesus. That's really good. And, yeah. and I think, like, uh, one of you two made the joke, like, yesterday or Monday, you said, December is war. And, like, when you plan to go into war, anytime anybody's ever planning to go to war, they, they, they make every preparation possible to go into war. It's not like you just walk in blindfolded. And, and you, that's a good way to lose, right? It's a good way to die. Good way to die. <laughs> that was so good way to die. <laughs> little, yeah, that was funny. Um, yes, I agree with those things. There is such a fight that happens when you do go home, even if you have a wonderful family. Like, this, I think for many of you, your family groups, your roommates, your classmates, the people you play I Am Sports with, these people have become your family. And so when you go home, you're going to a new family. Um, and we're not there yet. But the routine of being focused on these people's schedules shifts. So a lot of times in college, I mean, we've said it a lot even during the studying part, like you are concerned with your finals and your schedules and when your roommate used your Tupperware, like those are your concerns is a lot of self-centeredness. And so, or even if it's not self-centeredness, it's, oh, I have to be here for this friend when they go play this sport. I have to be here for this time serving at kids ministry and all these different things compile. And so it's a very... um, It's a very busy season of life at college. And so when you go home, a lot of times, I used to at least, I would go home and I'd be like, well, I'm the only one who's had a busy life and you guys are here to serve me. Are you kidding me? My my parents have three children and a brother-in-law who's 
a whole picture in itself. So anyway, we have three, four kids in the Story family, all right? And in that family, my parents both have jobs. They're planning a church. They're working with my brother who's going through lots of things. They're helping my sister figure out how to do married life. Like there is so much that is going on within my parents' household. And so when I go home, when I crash on their couch, when they let me have any bowl of cereal I want, I don't want to take that time and just focus on me. And so the routine of being focused on others during the semester and then going home and focusing only on myself, only focusing on resting and rejuvenating and making sure that I'm ready for January, like that is a mindset that I put myself in often because I'm not considering others. And so with that in my life, I found myself falling into a lot of laziness and a lot of gluttony. Um, And so gluttony is something that we throw around, but it is an overindulgence and a denial of, or a denial of self of the flesh. That's what it is. And so the, the idea of that we will be satisfied by binging this TV show or binging food, that is not true. Like, that does not fix the routine that has been broken by college. And so my really big heart for you guys is that you would think you would actively pursue this war that you're about to go into. You would think and think about what pulls you away from the Lord, what you want to rest on, because the Lord does want to give you rest in this season, but not go past the boundaries of what he said rest is. And so when we try to satisfy rest by worldly things or by TV shows or even going and doing your favorite things like shopping or um, trying to buy your way out of this restlessness, that is not what the Lord has desired. So that was a really big roundabout answer. Please don't focus on yourself because you are not the center of the universe. Christ is. And... um, and that's because I've told my, had, somebody has told me that 10 million times. Um, and also just be really considerate of how you are honoring the Lord with your body throughout December. Yeah, yeah, I think that's really well said. Um, like, I think we have a really skewed view of rest, and I think it comes from a lot of that selfishness. So we normally use our breaks, whether Thanksgiving, summer, December, whatever it be, and we just are lazy and we're gluttonous in the name of rest. But I mean, like, and we talk a lot about rest um, here at Prince College Night, and when Adam's talking about Eremos, like that's, he's talking about a time that we get alone intentionally and spend time with the Lord. Like it's not a break from responsibility. It's not a break from reality, but that's normally how we spend it a lot, like just very selfishly, but that's not true rest. Yeah, and it, it reminds me of Jeremiah 29 when the Israelites are going into exile. Um, they're going into Babylon, and so um, through the prophet Jeremiah, the Lord says, pursue the well-being of the city I have sent you to. Pray for it, for when it thrives, so will you. And so I know you guys are not walking into slavery and you're not walking into exile, but you're walking into lands foreign than what you've known this past semester. And so I really just want to encourage you, like pursue that well-being, let that routine of wanting to make the most out of Athens be that in your hometowns because there is such a need for the gospel everywhere. And so just because we leave Athens doesn't mean that we don't need to pursue the well-being of where we're at. And I'll sum it up real quickly with two things. I think the before you go home, plan to eliminate distractions being like maybe I would encourage some of you delete social media for the holidays maybe go throughout the weeks and you get on the weekends I don't know but delete social media if that's if that's hard for you to be on it at home alone Uh, and plan like make plans for these things Um, so eliminate distractions and then like go ahead and start getting alone with God and praying spending time in the Eremos and and praying to this heavenly father like like help asking him for help for this next season, like praying, God help me to make no provision for the flesh. Yeah, no, that's really good. I appreciate all those answers. And one of the things that stands out to me, everything that you guys are saying is like we're moving into a season where we do have so much free time. 
And we can look at that one of two ways. One, we can be fearful because we're losing all the rhythms and routines, or we can be just really like hopeful that we have all this time and we can take advantage of it, right? Like if you spent some time around me, you've probably heard me talk about the idea of uh, a rule of life, right? If you're one of my interns, you've definitely heard me talk about a rule of life. And a rule of life was set up by like early like monastic movement where they would like order their days around things that would help them be with Jesus, become like Jesus and do what Jesus did. And so I'd encourage you in this season, like you're going into a time where you got so much free time. So don't just be reactive and just do whatever comes your way, be proactive and like actually set up habits, set up rhythms, like wake up, spend time in the Lord before you get on your phone, like set up a time to, like everybody talks about being so separated from one another and I know it's like, it sinks not seeing each other face to face, but we live in the most connected generation that's ever lived, right? Like if you're bored at home, chances are your friend is bored at home too. Pick up your phone and call them, right? Just talk to them. Set up these rhythms and routines that will help you continue to like make progress in your faith and so I would love it if you make it your goal this December to come back to Athens more on fire for Jesus than when you left. Like, I don't want us to like have to like re like gain momentum or uh, reset. No, we do need to reset. We're going to talk about that later. But like, (laughs) I want us to like be ready whenever we get back here because there is more work to be done in this city and on our campuses. So last thing, biggest thing, we got the most questions I would say just about family and going home and being around family. And if you're one of those people that's like super excited to go home and be around your mom and dad and your siblings, like we're, we're all thrilled for you and we love it. But like this, there's a lot of people who that season, and even if you, I think you touched on this a second ago, Daniel, like even if you have like an awesome family, like it's just, it's still just, it's different, right? Like you're used to doing things the way that you do them in your own space. Even if you're in a dorm room in the sixth floor of Creswell Hall, like you have your routines and your rhythms and you have your like way of doing life and then you go home and you're under mom and dad's roof and it's like different again and so there comes all kinds of difficulty we had questions about people who are worried about having hard conversations with their mom or dad who like they're wanting to like live their life on mission this summer and like wanting to go to Boston or to Manchester or to Japan for the summer and they're worried about having those conversations uh, this this um, winter break with their mom and dad we had questions about you know even people who are walking into some really difficult situations of like they're going into the Christmas season and there's a really formidable family member who is not going to be there this year that they're going to miss and um, people who have lost loved ones and they're asking questions about how to cope with those things. Um, Questions about how to just have um, be a gospel light around their family who doesn't know Jesus and how, how to have gospel conversations with um, family members. We talk a lot about sharing the gospel here, but probably one of the hardest groups of people to share the gospel with is your own family, right? And so we had a lot of questions about that. So that could, a lot of different directions that we could go, um, and I want to hit a few of those, but I want to start specifically, and I just want to be really sensitive to this. I know that there are several of you in the room who are going home to Christmas And there is going to be a family member that was very formidable in your life who is not going to be there. And we had several questions about that. And that's why I'm thankful that we have Chandler here on the panel because Chandler experienced this situation last um, Christmas. And so I'd just love for you to just kind of open this up by just talking about your experience and kind of what helped you in that season for you. Yeah, if if you were around last year and you know me, last year um, around October, my older sister lost her eight-month-old baby girl and uh, really wrecked our family um, was really difficult. Uh, and there's really not much, and, and I'm the only believer in my family, um, only uh, follower of Jesus, and there's really not much you can say in those moments. I mean, we obviously all felt pain like that was my niece, um, but to my 
unbelieving sister. There's not much you can. There's not much you, you think you can say. There's not much you really can say because uh, it's just hard. It's a hard, hard moment of life um, to deal with, and it, it's it's unfathomable pain. Um, and so I agree. Like, really want to be sensitive with this, but. Uh, I, like, I remember going into the holidays last year, and it was just a weird Christmas. It was a weird Thanksgiving. It was a weird Christmas. Um, a lot of pain. It was just things felt different and, and just weird. Um, but uh, there, was, there was something oddly different. and it's, un, it's almost indescribable. Like I remember at the funeral and going into the Christmas holidays, my family didn't really have much hope. Um, and in some odd way... And I don't want this to sound like, oh, I'm so much bigger and better than them. But in some odd way, while I'm like, while they're weeping, while we're dealing with this, like I, I can weep too and still have hope, um, and be able to 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 sit with my sister as she weeps um, for hours on end about her baby, um, and be, to be able to sit there and just sit with her and to point her to Christ, to share the gospel with her at the right time, um, just throughout the, the season, building a relationship with her, asking questions. I think that's huge, asking good, good questions um, that, that, that really um, pierce the heart. Because I, I think there's nothing that, that confronts us with the afterlife like death. There's nothing that confronts us with the spiritual things like death, um, the whole family. And so I uh, was, was able to have several conversations last year about that. Um, and it was hard. But uh, I think there's, there's, if there's one thing that I would say, like, hold you fast, it is, I think the Matthew 7 uh, firm foundation passage is huge. Like, when the rains come and the winds blow, my house is built on him. There's a firm foundation that nothing can shake. Um, and and it's, it's odd, it's, it's indescribable, but it's true. And it's, there's hope there and there's joy there in, in some of the hardest situations. Um, and, and so I'd say uh, resting upon that. But I'd also say for anyone who's going through a situation like this, you don't have to be the hero. Like, you don't have to have the right things to say. You can sit and cry with them too. Um, I, I can't stand it when people say, be strong for them, you know, keep it together. That's, I think that's a load of baloney. You, I think the scriptures are clear. Be weak, you know, weep with them. Weep with those who weep. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Spend time with them, ask questions, love them well, and show them Jesus. That's really good. As you're sharing that story, it reminds me of John 11 and the story of Lazarus. And um, we'll get there eventually on Sunday mornings. I don't know, maybe in the next two years. Um, and uh, just that story of like uh, Mary and Martha lose their brother Lazarus. And Jesus shows up on the scene and he doesn't immediately go into fix-it mode. He weeps with those who weep, right? And... I think that that's really important, but then he also, he has hope because he knows what's beyond the grave, right? And so that's, that's so powerful. I really appreciate you sharing that story with us. Um, for those of you who are not necessarily dealing with those situations, uh, it still kind of can be awkward, like going home and, and just dealing with this relational conflict, um, having difficult conversations, like about finances, about summers, about whatever. Um, what, what would you guys say to, to people facing kind of those situations? Specifically, maybe like that, that summer conversation. I know, Emma, you had to have that conversation. Chandler, you as well. Um, what would you say to people kind of walking into those situations? How, how would you encourage them to handle those moments? Um, I think you need a lot of confidence in Jesus and a lot of um, dependency on him. And I think 
the the first time I went away for a summer was to Boston, um, and it hap- the conversation happened a lot later, which I don't suggest. Um, but um, those those conversations of hey, I want to use my summer, and I know it's six months away, but I want to use my summer strategically, um, whether that's going to camp or doing overseas missions. Um, it really depends a lot on your family and your family's demeanor. So both my parents are believers, which was an awesome um, gift from the Lord. And so being able to share with them where my heart was and wanting to go to those places was really cool. Um, But to my brother, who's not walking with the Lord, uh, he didn't really understand. And so that was really tough of, um, I want to go and tell these people about Jesus. And he's heard the name of Jesus. He could tell you the gospel, but he just doesn't believe. And so um, there's there's part of this when you're talking with family members about either finances or where you're going to live for the next year, that it is just a lot of, I know God is good and I'm trusting him with this next step. I may not have the next 10 years of my life planned out, but I know what has happened this semester, how the Lord has changed me. And because of what he has done and who he is, I want to do this because I feel like it's obedience to him. And so um, one thing my parents always told me is they're like, you can be disobedient to us if you're being obedient to God. And I was like, well, I don't think that, like, I had to work that one out in my head. But Um, they, because of my parents' faith, they said, be obedient to the Lord. And that's what he asks of us. It's what he gives his good gifts to. And so that would just be my encouragement. Like, just be very confident um, and spend a lot of time in that preparing for war of like, okay, I know I'm going to have to have this conversation. Let me figure out how in the world to do this. Lord, can you please step in and say every word I need um, because he's faithful and good. Yeah, Um, I agree. And I would also say, um, just knowing like who our authority really is, like the whole like obedience to Christ is our first and foremost goal. And I think it's possible to honor your father and mother and not do exactly what they say. I think honoring our father and mother is more in the heart and the posture and the way that we have that conversation and going to them for that conversation. But if we're firm and we know that the Lord is maybe leading us to go maybe spend a summer um, strategically in Nepal or, or these other places, and we're confident that's where the Lord is leading us, then we have to be obedient to the Lord, even if that makes it hard. I mean, there's plenty of times in my life where I've done things that my mom did not agree with. Um, but I was confident that's where the Lord was leading me. Um, and one of those things was getting married as young as I did. And that's, a, I mean, it was hard to, know, like, to go through with that, knowing that my mom was wanting me to wait like three years to get married. I mean, that's kind of, it was kind of awkward, but like, I, I just knew, I felt like that was the season that the Lord wanted us to take that step. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and the Lord has blessed it and the Lord has, you know, me and my mom have had great conversations about it afterwards. Um, And I I would say the other thing is when we go into those conversations, a lot of times we're going in already defensive. Like we're going in already ready to prove ourselves. Um, And a lot of times I I found it with myself, particularly like with, with family more than anyone else, that I just go in already with these assumptions that they're going to be disapproving already with these assumptions that they're going to be arguing with me and I've got my guard up. I'm ready to defend myself instead of trying to go in with understanding and go in forgiving them of the things that they need to be forgiven of. Maybe, you know, a lot of us don't have like, sure, we might have good families, but nobody has perfect families. You know, you might have a bad family. That's, that's a possibility. And, and that's hard. So there's, there, there's going to probably need some, to be some forgiveness there. So you can go in knowing like, I need to serve them. I need to love them. Even if this conversation doesn't go the way that I want it to, I have a role to be Christ-like. I have a role to be gentle and kind and allow the spirit to move in me. Um, and that's hard with family because we really want to prove ourselves to our family. Like we really, and that goes back to the identity conversation. Yeah, that's real. Quickly, uh, amidst all, I feel like 
I was had this in college. I feel like all of us feel this. You get bombarded with a thousand opportunities for summer and spring break, and it can be overwhelming, not to mention dealing with parents and having those conversations. My encouragement to you, don't get paralysis by analysis. Like, with everything going on, don't get so overwhelmed that you just exit and don't even think about it. Like, just hands up, get rid of it. No, like, if, if God's laid on your heart to pursue one of these summer opportunities, like, go, like be confident in that, like Emma said. Um, if it's a camp, like, be confident in that and have those conversations. Be gentle and humble and loving and gracious, but uh, have those, those conversations. Don't just hands up, give up. Yeah, that's really good. Anything else you want to add about family stuff? Um, one little quick thing. Um, I think a lot of times we go into these situations really fearful. Um, but if you look in the Bible, like a lot of times when it says, do not be afraid, the basis of Jesus saying, do not be afraid is for I am with you. Um, so one, just one example of that is Isaiah 41:10. He says, fear not for I am with you. Be not dismayed for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. So whether it's, uh, you're walking into, uh, a family situation that's one less than last year, and I'm sorry, and that's hard, but know that you're not alone in that either. Or if it's just you're going to have hard conversations, like you're not alone, like the Lord is with you every step of the way, ready to strengthen you, ready to give you what you need to walk in godliness. And I think, uh, like I mentioned, being the only believer in my family, uh, many of us walk into our door, we'll walk into our doors over the next few weeks, our home, and will know that uh, we're the only one who is a gospel light in that home. And it can, that can be hard, and it can feel lonely. And um, if I'm completely honest, uh, there have been times in the past where it's been difficult to go home because of that reason, um, walking into my house, uh, having to deal with, with those things. And my relationship with my mom hasn't always been the best. My relationship with my siblings hasn't always been the best. But oftentimes, because of that, you, or I, I felt this, that you, you're walking in those doors, you're, you're already guarded up and you're already defended. And so it can be very easy to fall into temptation, uh, arguments. Um, you, want, you may even want to numb out and run to other things, the old friend groups, sexual immorality, like all, all these other things, alcohol. Like you, you'll run, want to run to these other things to numb out from the, dealing with the actual pain and confronting it. Um, and... I, that's where I think it's huge to know, one, Jesus is with you, and two, you can be a gospel light to them, to share the gospel with them, to, to confront the pain, um, and to love them. And I think that's, that's, that's the biggest thing, is that when you're going home, just as much as we tell you guys, you know, when you're on campus and you're meeting with lost people, love them, do the same thing with your family. Like, the more that I've learned to see my mom and to see her struggles, her anxieties, um, the more I've been able to ask questions, uh, the more that our relationship is, has gotten so much better because of that, because I see her and I want to develop a relationship with her rather than being guarded up and defended and wanting to just escape. And so I think it's huge that when you walk in there, know you want to love them. Yeah, that's really good. Be bold because of Christ and be bold be for Christ. Like, that's it. Like, just know that the faithful God who you love and who knows you is going to be at home because he's everywhere. So don't, don't let December scare you off. Be confident in the Lord and be bold with those you're around by serving and loving them. So. And know you have a better heavenly father who loves you. In Galatians 4, Romans 8, you know, we have this heavenly father who loves us 
and who cherishes us, and we can call it, say Abba, Father, to him, this God in heaven who's our very Father, and we can have a close, intimate relationship with him. If you, if you don't have a very active Father, there is one in heaven who loves you dearly. That's good. Well, these have been some really good reminders. I really appreciate you three. Can we give it up for these three right here? Yeah, you guys are awesome. So, um, we want you to know that as you enter into this season, we want to be a resource for you. So if you're entering into a stressful final season, if you're entering into a season with lack of routine or difficult family situation, know that you don't have to be in that alone and that we want to be here for you. So you can reach out to any of us. We'd love to help you and encourage you along the way. Um, we're going we're gonna to end with this. Uh, the band's going to go ahead and come back up. But as they do, I just want to read this passage of Scripture over you. This is our hope for you as you enter into the final season. Galatians 5, 16 through 26 says this, but I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you will not be under the law. The works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, it's joy, it's peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, and against these things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified with the flesh in its passions and desires and live by the Spirit. Let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another and envying one another. So our hope and our prayer for you as you enter into this December season is that you would walk by the Spirit and that the fruits of the Spirit would be evident in your lives and that your life would be a testimony to those around you, to those you're studying with, to those that you're in your, whenever you go home with your family, that your life would declare that you believe in Jesus. That's our hope for you. So I'm gonna pray for you. We're gonna worship a little bit more and we're gonna wrap things up. So let's pray.